0: Now, I got my license when I was 16, and we all remember, if if you have your license, taking that dreaded driving test. You get there, you're all nervous, your hands are sweaty, you sit down in that seat of your parent's car, or maybe somebody else's that you borrowed, and you're thinking, if I don't make this, I'm going to scream, I'm gonna be an idiot, laughing stock, you name it. And I remember getting through it and I was so excited, I'd passed, I got out, it was my first try. My parents were excited, I was excited. I don't know if my parents were excited or not, but we got home and I remember begging my parents immediately, hey, I've got my license, can I please drive, can I please drive, can I please drive? And they're like, yeah, sure, here, go take the Blockbuster videos back. And I'm like, yeah! So I grabbed the blockbuster videos, you all remember those. And we threw them I threw them in my in the van, not my van, my parents' van and it was a big white van, one of those old Dodge minivans on the first ones. We jumped in that, pulled out, drove to that blockbuster on Lincoln to the smallest parking spaces on the planet. And I'm seriously brand new driver, right? First day with my license, I start pulling in there and as I'm looking, I'm thinking, I got this, I got this and suddenly you I'm going, oh no, they had dented the side of my parents' van. I hit the corner of some guy's car and his bumper had pressed into that and I'm freaking out, I back out, I park, I run over, I look, is there white paint on this? Did I mess up this guy's bumper? I look at the side of my parents' car, I'm freaking out. I run up, I drop the Blockbusters off and the little drop box. I turn around, I get in the car and I drive away. Ugh, never do that, hit and run, right? Dumb, 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 didn't leave a note, didn't leave anything, I was so scared. So while I passed my driver's test, I failed the real test. I failed that test of character. I failed that test in which I was supposed to do the right thing. And I didn't do the right thing. These are two different kinds of tests. And right now we're not taking a driver's test. Life isn't that kind of a test kind of thing. Like some spirituality wants to tell you, but we are indeed in a test. I mean, let's face it, God is putting us through a test. COVID is a test. COVID is showing you things about yourself, revealing things about us, whether it's lockdown, whether it's not lockdown, whether we open the church, don't open the church, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, man. People are feeling the test, the pressure of the test. With all the the uprising, with the racial division and all the different things that are happening in our country, with the political movements that are going on, it's it's all over the map and this honestly is a test. We see this test in so many circumstances in so many ways about should I go to that church should I not go to that church and they didn't say what I think they should all of this stuff my friends is a test and yes God tests people he tests his church he tests a nation and God's always been testing people in fact sometimes tests don't look the way that we think they would we may have been being tested even before COVID as we'll see, because as we look at David, we're going in this series called Around Every Corner. If you haven't joined us, we've got these, uh, these booklets for small groups to be working through together. If you're in a small group, we hope you've been enjoying that study and digging deeper. But we're looking here in the book of 1 Samuel, and we're going to be in chapter 24. If you've got a Bible, grab it and join us. And what's been happening is David, who is the anointed upcoming king, is being chased by the current king of Israel, and this current king of Israel wants him dead, as this current king's name is Saul. He's been chasing David all over the place, trying to trap him, trying to kill him, trying to get rid of him, killing off priests, doing all kinds of horrible things in order to just ensure that he can keep his kingdom for his family and his son, even when God told him it was over. Now, in this current case, David's been on the run. He's escaped, and now he's, uh, he's just escaped because the Philistines had come and distracted Saul. And we start in chapter 24 as Saul returns, beginning in verse 1. It says, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Now, in Gedi is a wilderness area. It is a place of um, just kind of crags and rocks. But right there, in Gedi is the actual oasis of the goats. It's this location where all kinds of, of Bedouin tribes would gather around. It's a famous, famous oasis. And here David goes, there lots of caves in the area and Saul knows it. So then Saul took three thousand chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats rocks. And he came to the sheepfold by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave, and the men said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as shall seem good to you. Now this is an interesting scenario. This is a test of God's emergency broadcasting, right? This, this is a test. David is facing a very real problem is is 600 men with him. The king right in front of the ones pursuing them. They all hate him. They all want him dead. And David has this opportunity to take him. They're even quoting scripture right in their mind. And here is the situation where David is facing a test. God's handing him the throne. Oh, this is perfect. He's, he's literally being caught with his pants down. This is the right moment for David to do something, right? No, it's a test. It's a test. Not everything that God hands you on a silver platter necessarily is the best thing for you. What we want to remember is that in a test, how we interpret the test reveals who we are. You say, wait, wait, what do you mean? Reveals who we are. I'm not talking about identity. Our culture likes to talk about identity a lot. And Your identity, you know, it's, your identity is in Christ. Your identity is that you're a Christian if you are following Jesus. Your identity is found at the core of what you really are as a human being made in the image of God. That's our identity. Now, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your character. I'm talking about how that image of God is expressed through you, talking about how that Christianity is coming through your life. That will be revealed in how you interpret and I interpret the tests that we go through. There's a number of different interpretations we can take. We can take the interpretation of like, hey, this situation is awful. God can't possibly be in this, or this situation is awesome. God can't be in this. I'll give you an example. I was talking with a doctor the other day, and he was talking to me a little bit about church and stuff, and I'm like, so do you believe in God? Where do you stand in this? And he looked at me and said, you know, I was raised in a church in a sense, and, but when I had to de- keep declaring children, every day declaring them dead, because that was my job, to go to children and declare them dead and, and fill out the paper, I, I just couldn't see how God was in that. I couldn't see how God would allow that. And in his test, every single time that he had to declare that, that little child, that little baby, that one dead, man, he just couldn't figure out how this fit with God. And so he walked away. He, he separated them in his mind. You know, I've met people who honestly, they get a blessing, they get this bonus, they get this huge, amazing opportunity to get this car or whatever it is. And they're like thinking, and they'll say things like, man, God wasn't in that. I did this myself. These are both ways that you can fail a test. These are both ways that we can interpret that test wrongly. We think, ah, God's not doing any test here. It's no big deal. COVID's just a thing, you know, all this politics stuff is just a thing. You know, it's my, my struggle is just, it isn't a test our wealth before all this and our freedoms, that wasn't a test. Well, how we interpret the tests reveals a lot about who we are, reveals our character. And so we can interpret it as God's not in it. Or we can interpret it that, you know, this is all God. So I got to do this. I mean, I see this in youth groups like crazy. And God told me I got to date her. God told me I got to marry her. And then around, they, they go dating and they ask them out and do all that stuff and around Christmas time when they know they got to get her a gift or they know they got to get her a gift at, at Valentine's or whatever, that's the breakup season. Everybody was saying like, oh, God told me uh, she's not right for me. I'm like, God didn't tell you any of this stuff. You're, you just think God's in this, and you're applying his name to it. Look, we can think that the test is, is that God's in this, and he's giving you this blessing and this opportunity. That's exactly what's happening here in that verse 4. Look again at it. Look right there. It says, the David's men, they interpreted this as God's in this. Here's the day in which the Lord said to you, Behold, I'll give you your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. I mean, they're like, this is it, right? And that's interesting. Because they're interpreting this as, this is God's perfect golden opportunity. You know, we need to take this investment and go. We need to jump on that business, man. We need to, we need to put this money in this thing. And then it fails and you're like, oh God, God, what were you doing? Why, why is this a mess? Why is this breaking? Why is this, it's a test. And that test is gonna reveal something as you interpret it. So let's be careful not to throw God's name on everything Instead, let's just be the kind of people who take the third interpretation. Let's just throw the other two interpretations out. God obviously is in everything. He's dealing with us. He's working in us. The question isn't, hey, I got to do this or, you know, that kind of stuff. The, the question is, God is in this, so what is he showing me? God, you're in this. You're giving me a test here. What are you trying to show me about myself? What are you trying to reveal about me? See, God does test his people. In Deuteronomy, he tests Israel. He says, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you. Why did he send him in the wilderness? Why does all this stuff testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He wanted to test them to reveal whether they were faithful to God, to God. He needed to reveal it. No, to themselves. See, when God does, he puts you through a test to ultimately show you what he already knows about you. It's confirming because you have to act on who you are. You have to act in your character. And that's what a test does. It makes you act in your character. And so when you look at this, you learn a lot as you interpret how you interpret these things. If you're thinking you're through this, well, it just tells you a lot about how you view God and tests. Well, God is in these tests. In fact, one of the greatest tests we see in the Bible comes not only here to David, but another spot to Abraham. And Abraham's test came with a major need for interpretation. And look at how he interprets. It's in in chapter 22 of Genesis, beginning in verse 5. It says, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And what we're seeing here is Abraham's supposed to take his son and go and sacrifice him. Now, some of us be like, hold on a minute. You're not supposed to do that. That's What is what is Abraham doing? But he trusts God and he goes. And again, it says, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the, wor- the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and took his, in his hand, the fire and the knife. And so they, were, so they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, this is that test moment. Where is the lamb for that burnt offering, dad? What, where, what's going on? Obviously, he's going to sacrifice Isaac. We know this. God told him this. He's being faithful. But listen to Abraham's way of interpretation he says Abraham said God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering my son and so they went both of them together Abraham saw it as a test but he trusted God's goodness he trusted who he was he knew that something's up here what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into this and go God I don't know what you're up to but show me show me show me what I need to do show me what's going on he interprets this test is from God that God was still good and so he moves forward because how he interpreted that test showed a lot about who he was and how he trusted God. But the flip is also true. What we do with the test, what we do in the test, how we take the test and what goes on. And it show, reveals who we are in our character as well. So not only how I interpret it shows me something, but how I go through that test shows me something as well. And Abraham goes through this test magnificently. See, they're designed specifically for each of us. Abraham's test was designed for him. To reveal something about Abraham. Notice how it continues. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your, own, your son, your only son from me. And this is the point. Abraham was being tested to reveal his faithfulness. Now, God's not going to allow something like that to happen. So God steps in, he does offer actually a ram that's caught in the thicket and all this stuff happens and Isaac doesn't die. But the point is here that God did it to reveal, he says, for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son. The point in this whole text was that Abraham obeyed and Abraham showed that he was who God said he was, the man of faith. And this is important because this is the end of Abraham's life. I've got to point out a whole bunch of other tests God took Abraham through, and he failed miserably. But what's going on is through the life of Abraham, what occurred was eventually he became the man of faith who was willing, even in this case, to obey God. And so God's tests, I want you to hear this, are not there to discourage you. These tests are there to keep teaching you, to develop you, to enable you. And so what we do with the test reveals who we are, but it reveals the lack in us, or it reveals that we've made it to a certain place. If God's showing you something, revealing something to you, man, let's respond to that. Let's engage in that. Let's lean into that. It's not there to discourage you. It's not telling you this is who you are and you can never change. It's saying this is your character. And character, by the way, is shapeable. It's malleable. It can move. It's like clay. And what we do with these tests shapes us and changes us. It's not there to discourage you he will keep testing you to show you your growth so that one day we stand firm and we're able to walk in faith it's not forgiving and good god is in all these things and so it's no wonder that james views tests differently james writes to the church he says you want to count it all joy you want to be excited and celebrate my brothers when you meet Trials or tests of various kinds. Same word there. Translated both ways. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The steadfastness, let it have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing, God tests us. And in the tests, it shapes us. This is not like the car test. you got to cram and answer the questions right. This is the test forms you. The test puts you through that so God can reveal something and make you into something greater. That's exciting. And so tests are going to reveal things to you. They're going to pull things out of you so you can become more perfect. And so we need to realize that may reveal to you that you need to learn how to obey. Or it may reveal to you that you are obedient. Abraham was shown that he was obedient, right? He's standing there. He, he, he actually obeyed. And when... We should praise God when we find ourselves in one of those positions. When the temptation passes and you succeed to walk with God, you should be like, God, this is awesome. I'm going to church. We're going to celebrate. This is cool. You know, throw up a prayer, sing a song, do a little jig, whatever. Have a a time of praise for God. Because when you celebrate it, you're going to replicate it. when When you're excited about it, when you praise God for it, it's going to build character in that way. And so if you find that you're obedient, yeah, celebrate. But then there are times we'll find, honestly, in the midst of these trials, as we go through this steadfastness, we're going to find out we're just ignorant. Sometimes we respond to the test and we didn't even know it was a test. We're just ignorant of how to respond to the test, of what to do with the test, that that it even happens. I mean when my my children are a great illustration of this. You know, early on as the internet began became more and more prevalent in their life, my sons would just sit down and start typing stuff just to go like, I wanna see what this is. And we're like One day we found out they were doing it. We're like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. We had to grab them, pull them off, sit them down, talk to them, say, you just don't type any random thing into the Google search bar. What are you thinking? Do you not know what will be out there? And they're like, we don't know. Of course they didn't. They're ignorant. They didn't even know that they were failing a test, right? It was kind of one of those things, just fall into it. God's not angry at us when we're ignorant, but he doesn't want us to stay ignorant. He's putting us through the test to reveal our ignorance. And oftentimes, in that, you'll find out your ignorance because the Spirit of God will convict you of that ignorance. The word of God will come out and it'll show you and you're like, oh my goodness, this is what I should do. This is what I ought to do. And when you realize that you're ignorant of a past test, now you've got to follow through. Again, James tells us whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so obviously we want to move from ignorance to knowledge so we don't sin against God. But then you go like, but if I know and I don't do it, I sin. So it's better to be ignorant, right? No, 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 no. The Spirit of God is being put in you, so you don't remain ignorant that you would know God. If you remain ignorant, you don't know God. You're just as good as just being a non-Christian, sinning without knowledge that you shouldn't. This knowledge helps us really walk in a way that is powerful. When you know the good and you do the good, now you're shaped in the good. It changes your character. Being ignorant just allows you to be evil and not do anything about it. And I I don't think God's going to say that's a good thing. Let's just be honest. And so we don't want to remain ignorant. We want to grow in our knowledge and obey that knowledge, and it develops us. Now, the last one is we could just simply look at it and say, well, I'm not going to be ignorant, and I may know this stuff, but I ain't going to do it. And that means that we're just going to be rebellious. We're just going to fight it off. And, you know, David kind of falls slightly into this category at first, but then shifts. In fact, it says that and the men of David in in verse 4, of 1st Samuel, if you want to look at that again, it says, the men of David said to him, here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Hmm. So he snakes up, gets up close and it looks like he's going to kill him, but he stops and he cuts off the corner of the rope. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And Saul's robe is a representation of his kingship, a representation of his position. And when he's doing that, it's in a sense he's attacking the position. And so David's convicted. He knows his scripture. He understands that in the, in the law of God, it says, you don't revile your leaders. You don't attack your leaders. And now he's like, oh my gosh, this is God's anointed. I'm God's anointed. I can't be doing this. What, is, what am I doing? And so we need to respond when this conviction comes. We need to respond when we suddenly receive a conviction from God about something. David responds by repenting. Some of us may respond with hardness, to be quite honest. Pharaoh responded with hardness. Pharaoh just said, "I don't care. I'm keep doing this. Give me one more night with the frogs. I'm good with this." We've met, I've met people who honestly won't check out their own lives and, and from their first marriage they get married again. And the same problem they've shown it goes with them, only grows. And so they get divorced and they get married a third time. The same problems are showing up there. It's because we harden our hearts to learn from the tests and lessons in our lives. We need to look at those lessons. We need to learn from them, not harden our hearts. In fact, David responds and he says to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose and left the cave and went on his way. David repented of his action, convicted in the spirit, and so he moves forward, knowing he shouldn't attack this guy, knowing that these things are there. And God has tested him, and he passes the test in a way. And what's the test you're in? Because the test you're in right now is going to reveal a lot about your character. It's going to reveal a lot about who you are. Uh, Interpret the test as God's doing something in this COVID thing. God's doing something with your work. God's doing something with that person. God is doing something in, in that in that feedback. God is doing something on that road in that traffic. God's doing something. What is he trying to show you? And now that you see it, whether it's in the politics world, the social media world, or with a friend or at work or wherever you find yourself, now that you see it, would you open your heart up to receive the feedback that God is giving you? Because the way you interpret it and the way that you act on it will reveal what you're like. And I want us to be a church more ready to rend our hearts open and allow God to move in us that we would become men and women of character because we're willing to listen to the test of God. And David isn't in there because there's even more that goes on here. See, the test that we go through is being watched by others. The test shows others um, who we are to other people. Our character is revealed to them. I mean, here David's being watched by all these other men, right? They're they're watching him, and they're seeing what David's character is like. I, mean, I remember a story a friend of mine once told me. He was sitting at a bar with his friends, and uh, he he grew up in the youth group and was part of he was Christian and you know. But he's sitting there at that bar, and up comes some guy who starts witnessing to them. And uh, my friend's, like, looking at this guy, going, like, hey, he doesn't know I'm a Christian. Like, I know this stuff. Why are you telling me? So he's, at the end, he asked him, why did you come up thinking that we would need the gospel? And he's like, well, you guys are sitting here drinking and cussing like crazy. I, I just assumed that you would a Jesus. And it convicted him that he had fallen in its prey to looking unlike a Christian to the point where he forgot people were watching. People were looking, and it was a test he was failing. So God would reveal something to him. And so what we have here is that tests are often seen by other people. They see how you're going through this. They see how we're responding as a church. They're looking at us. It may not be the news agencies looking at you, but it might be a neighbor. It might be a family member. It might be somebody who you once knew who's watching your feed, looking at how you're responding, seeing what's going on. Sure, guys, we need to be careful. We are being watched, and we don't even know it. And so like it or not, people are indeed watching you. People are indeed hearing about you. Now, David was being watched, like I said. And as he steps out, he comes out of the cave. We pick up in verse 8. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. Now, this must have appeared insane. Let's be honest. They were going like, what are you doing, David? You're going to get us killed. You're crazy. This is, this is nuts. This is the guy that wants to kill us. Don't, don't throw yourself in front of him and lay down. But David David's trying to show something. He's trying to reveal something. And so David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of the men who, who say, behold, David seeks your harm. Behold, this day, your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave, this cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I'll not put my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand? For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. Now, I love this because what David does right there is he begins to lay out the difference between him and Saul. He's not afraid to to clarify quickly that, look, my life has been watched by everybody else and so is yours. I'm not willing to kill the anointed. You're willing to kill the anointed. You're willing to cut me down. And this is the difference between them. David, who is unwilling to kill the anointed, is willing willing to, to love Saul where Saul is unwilling to love David. Now, we see this situation, and Saul is going is to see this as well and begin to kind of freak out. But David doesn't stop there. David wants to keep going. He wants to, he wants to make sure that this is ended so that they would see that his character is good. He wants the whole place to witness it. So he says to them, And so David ends it here. He says, look, you see my character. I didn't kill you. I had every chance. I even told my guys, all you guys see my character. Why are you chasing me? And now his character is exposed to everybody. He's a faithful man to the Lord. And the Lord who watches is going to render to David what he needs. See, these tests show to others what we are like. These tests reveal our own character. Christ's character was revealed over and over and over before people. And now we are to reveal a character of Christ as well. When everyone's looking at you, what kind of character are they seeing? When all the tests are hitting you, what kind of character is being revealed? Are you going to be a fighter? Are you going to be somebody who wants to push your ideas out there? Are you, are you being logical? There's all these ways that we can deal with these things. But let's just remind us that he's trying to shape character through these tests. But what character? Christ's character. We're supposed to be like Christ, right? It's no wonder that Paul, in the book of Galatians, in his letter to the Church of Galatia says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In my study on this for my master's degree, these are the very character attributes of Jesus Christ. What we're dealing with here is that we need to be a people who are formed into love, self-sacrificial love, you know, caring for other people before ourselves joy people are exuberant and excited and happy and engaged peace you know patience here's the thing about all these these they aren't just in your heart I don't know where we got this idea we can have these character attributes that not come out of us you can't hit your wife and be gentle you can't be good and go out and do evil things you can't be kind and hate somebody You can't be loving and greedily hoard all of your own goods. No, these things have to come out. It's not enough to say, well, I feel self-controlled in my heart. It's nice we believe something about ourselves. We have to show it with our actions. And that's what the tests do. They reveal this character. They form this character. They pull this character out and everybody needs to see this character. Everybody's going to witness it because it's going to be part of it. And then they will be able to do what is last. Then they will declare who we are when the test is over. They will declare what we are truly like because they're watching us, they're seeing how we're dealing with this, they're seeing the character of Christ, they should be the ones who declare it. When they see how we treat someone else who's made in the image of God, because we're made in the image of God, like David treated someone who who is the anointed as he was the anointed, so then they will begin to see you're different. And they'll declare it. What I love about this is this is exactly what happens in the text. Saul declares that David is righteous. Verse 16, as soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul. Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you've repaid me good, whereas I repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands, for a man finds his enemy. Will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with with good for what you've done to me this day. Now know what I love is that he made this declaration. You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. He has declared what David was like in front of everyone. He declared even to his own enemy. This is what I see in you. This is who you are. I declare to you, this is the character that I see in this day. Man, what a powerful testimony. In your current test. In your current situation, if you're facing your enemy, if you're facing somebody who hates you, if you're facing some situation that is testing you and you stand up under it and you remain, I guarantee one day somebody's going to come to you and say, man, I see that. I remember going through tests at work where everything was in me. It was like, I need to cheat and cut corners and do stuff like this because that's what other guys were doing. And I, I just fought to not do it. And it was beautiful because one of the guys who was a Buddhist came up to me later and said, Are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah. And he invited me to his house. I had a chance to share Christ. It was one of the most like highlight moments of my career outside in the secular world kind of thing. But you have those opportunities every test you go through to shine like Christ, to stand firm for Him, to allow that to come through so they will declare you a Christian, not you have to declare yourself one. There's no need to wear T-shirts and all this stuff. Let the character of Christ come through you. Was they lean? What's different about you? What's going on with you? And, and you're, you're different. You said, well, I follow Jesus. That's, that's an opportunity. When they start seeing the difference in you, when they start declaring that you are a different kind of person, then you know that that's the situation where they've seen your character and that the test is working its work. Let God work in you. Around every corner will be tests. Every, around every corner will be these things. And Saul will declare this, and he'll go off, and he'll repent, and he'll come back, and all this stuff will happen. We'll pick back up on that later. But for us right now, don't wait. Don't wait for somebody to convict you. If the Spirit of God's convicting you about a test, write it down. Take a minute, pull out your pen, and just put down there, this is what God is showing me about myself, and this is what needs to change. And then begin the work of repentance. Rend your heart. Open it up. Say, God, I don't know how to fix this, but I see it. Would you please change it in me? God, I don't know how to deal with this pride. I don't know how to deal with this, with this evil that I'm saying. I don't know how to deal with this people-pleasing. I don't know how to deal with my hatred. I don't know how to deal with my anger. And Just lay it before the Lord. Rend your heart. Make yourself uncomfortable. Allow Him to begin to work in you because He's brought the test to reveal it to you so that we might, just might, begin to change. You know, I sit back and I wonder about COVID. I wonder about the test that God's putting us through. To be honest, the more I've looked around and talked to people in all these other distractions that I believe have come up, I've really come to the conclusion that God's testing his church one final time to say, do you really want to bring the gospel to this world? Do you really want to take this moment? You had all this affluence, all this time, all of this opportunity with people. I'm going to close you away from it. And take you away from it just to give you a test. Are you going to keep pushing? Are you going to keep pressing? Are you going to give up on your church? Are you going to give up on, on the faith? Are you going to give up on these things? Because I think, for me, when I'm looking around right now, that, man, the church is challenged. Challenged a new way to bring the gospel to a people who right now need it desperately. And I want to challenge us. Maybe that is something that we need to repent of, that we need to turn from, that we need to begin to ask God to move in our hearts over. I would love to encourage you that maybe today this is exactly what God's calling you to do. I don't know what it is for you, but let's begin to move our hearts in that direction. Let's pray. Father, we, we know we're in tests. We know we're in situations. And what we need right now is that for you to reveal, you know, what are you up to? Show us our hearts. Show us who we are so we can become more like you because other people are watching, God, and we want that declaration of you working in us to be true. We know around every corner is a test. Help us in them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.